Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wool on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Over the last few months, assuming you haven't been living under a rock, uh, you've probably seen an explosion of AI-generated art systems, most of them built off of the work of OpenAI, which has been slowly, and I guess more rapidly lately, granting access to its AI art generation platform, Dolly 2. Uh, There are a bunch of others as well from Midjourney to Stable Diffusion to Crown's Dolly Mini, and there are a bunch more, and there are even more on the way because I've seen that both Google and Facebook have been beta testing their own offerings. And yes, the idea that Facebook will have its own AI generator is a little bit scary, but maybe we can discuss that. Uh, <laughs> while many of them have differences here or there, the, the basic concepts are pretty straightforward. You put in a prompt via text, and it generates artwork based on that prompt. So for example, you could say a sloth skiing down a mountain done in the style of Egyptian hieroglyphs, and you'll get something that kind of matches that prompt. Uh, Some of that may depend on your ability to craft a good prompt. Uh, Some of it may depend on which system you use as they all treat prompts somewhat differently. Um, For many people, I think it's been kind of a fun toy to play with, people coming up with cool prompts and seeing what it comes out with. For some people, they're trying to use these tools to do something specific or something cool. Uh, I've seen some media organizations trying to use them to produce useful graphics. I've seen at least one person who used these tools to create an entire comic book, which was actually kind of cool. There are a variety of controversies over this, uh, including how copyright works within all of this and some of the other legal questions around it. Uh, But I think the, the loudest controversy that I've seen Um, has really come from graphic artists whose complaints vary from fearing that these tools will put them out of a job to arguing that these tools effectively use their own works as their data set and therefore they're sort of unfairly ripping off those artists. To me, in hearing this, a lot of it kind of reminds me of some of the other fights and I guess sort of freakouts about new technologies, Uh, but I wanted to talk with someone who actually is more knowledgeable on all of this. Uh, Rob Sheridan is a graphic designer, photographer, comic book author, and more. He's perhaps best known for his years as the art director for Nine Inch Nails, uh, where he was always one of the more thoughtful voices in exploring the intersection of technology and music, uh, and uh, also showing where maybe some musicians were freaking out about the technology, but that it could actually be used to uh, to their benefit. So I thought it would be a useful perspective to have on AI art as well. So Rob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. Cool. So let's start with just a general take on all of this. Uh, AI art, w- what do you think? Um, you know, I, uh, I first started using... Uh, Midjourney was the first one I started using uh, at around the beginning of this year, I think, when they were still in a very uh-huh. a very limited beta. Um, I got in by virtue of, of uh, being an artist who had some degree of notoriety. 
Uh, so I, I was in pretty early and um, I actually really appreciated that this, uh, this sm small development group was bringing artists in first um, as kind of their like early participants. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a group of artists and they're just experimenting with this, this new thing that, um, that felt like the, the moment I started playing with it, it was like, oh my God, we're we're taking we're taking a leap. <laughs> this is a this is a major right. leap because AI art wasn't new. You know there were there were apps that have been around for a while, and I I you know I never really paid much attention to them because they all just looked like they just looked like messy <laughs> bad Photoshop collages. You know, and right. it was it was one of those things where I was like, ah, oh, this might turn into something eventually, but it's, uh, it's I'm not it's not on my radar. It's not useful to me. Like it just it it had this look to it like. Um, just just bad photoshop um and then all of a sudden it was like one of those things where there wasn't a, a much of a gradual ramp up um i'm i'm dumped into this mid-journey beta and I, I start playing with it and it's like oh my god this is making art like the, this the like, and you go through this initial like existential crisis like well my, what do I, what am i now what what is art so like, what, right. what do i do i mean this is I make, I typed a sentence that it makes something cooler than I could ever make by hand, you know? So why, you know, it's just like, I spent like, a, I think I lost a week of, of time and productivity, just like using it and, and just like trying to process what I was like feeling about it. Um, and, and uh, I ended up kind of deciding, you know, okay, I, I can, I can just quit art now <laughs> or, or, or I can, or I can figure out like if I can contextualize this, if I can make this work for me um, as an artist. Cause the, the first thing you see that's immediately clear is this, it, this has tremendous potential and it inspires people and it's not going away. You can't, this isn't a toy you right. can take away from people. You, you, once you show them this, it, it's like, it, it's not going anywhere. So, I ended up making a project um, from some of the imagery I was making that felt like it, I had kind of found this weird corner of visuals that the system wasn't really designed for that I was kind of making my own a little bit. You know, I was I was finding my own little route in it. And uh, and I set out on this kind of um, storytelling world building project inspired by the AI that was that was really about it was an exercise for me in finding authorship in this because mm. typing a sentence and getting an image back did not feel like I, I, it was something that I could call my own art. I just, I couldn't, for me personally, I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable being like, this thing is my art, but you know, then you, that's when you start to kind of think of, okay, the artist as curator, the artist as, um, as contextualizer. Um, and so by kind of making a collection of imagery that, that really did feel specific to my brain and then building a context around it, uh, turning it into a story and presenting it in a way that, you know, the package was distinctly my own and I was creating a, a lot of storytelling within it, I, I felt like, okay, I've made something that is truly mine and the AI uh, served as the um, kind of robot um robot artist that, that was working under my direction and you know this this thing wouldn't have existed without me it couldn't have existed without me no one else can can do this and and then i felt like okay this is a piece of art that i've made 
um, by adding a lot more of myself to these AI-generated images. So that's a long way of saying I'm optimistic um, about this stuff, and I think I think um, you know, as artists, you, you know, out there, your mileage will vary depending on how open-minded you can be about it, and also to to a certain degree. Because as you know, um, Mike, we've been through this many times before, the, the, yeah. you have to accept a certain amount of inevitability. There's a certain amount right. of, you can, you can dig your heels in all you want and, and bitch about it and, and be stubborn about it. But some of these leaps of tech are just never going to be seen as evil, nefarious things that society will reject. Uh, when, when people can you know, now explore their creativity in ways that they never could before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting to me how there are some parallels to like, you know, the like file sharing music copyright debates in the same way where it's just like, you know, would would life be easier for some musicians, for example, if, you know, if there wasn't file sharing? Sure. Right. I mean, they had a system that they were, you know, if you were successful, at least, you know, I think it, it maybe was different for for people who didn't have a, a following or weren't in the sort of major well, label. system. And, and that's the thing. And, and we'll, we could get into this later. But I think no, whenever you follow the paths down that you're going, like with music, uh, it was the same with photography and now with art, you mm -hmm. will eventually hit a point where it is about gatekeeping, you know, and, right. and, and that, 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 that's what it was with music. It's like, okay, this is protecting artists, but you, that's when you realize it's protecting a very slim amount of artists. And there's right. a certain amount of di redistribution that happens when you break these barriers down where, yes, the, the highest end of people cannot be as successful anymore, but that was already a very limited section of people. And now you have millions, millions more who are able to enter the arena for the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me, that's always been sort of the more, more powerful aspect to it. And, and so you know, it's interesting to see, I mean, do, do you think of the, the AI art stuff in sort of a similar fashion in that it, you know, it, you know, the, 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 I would say the graphic design world didn't have the, the same level necessary of, of, you know, gatekeeper, like a, a record label or whatever. It's sort of a different system, but certainly, you know, there were some people who were very successful graphic artists and, and it was not necessarily an easy market to, you know, to become successful in. Um, do you, do you see the same sort of thing happening with, with AI art and the graphic design market? Well, um, you know, gatekeeping can, can come in many different forms, you know, in the, in the music industry sure. it was very much about, um, you had to be, you know, you had to have the very, very rare opportunity to get signed to a label and then for to be signed to a major label and then to be successful on top of that. Um, so it was just, it was the slim chances of being, being discovered, being signed, being successful. Um, but you know, in the art world, there is, there's a, a gatekeeping that I'm seeing, um, uh, in in terms of like you you didn't earn this because you didn't put the <laughs> the hours in you didn't put the years of training and and the years of um, of work into building up your style your craft and and all this stuff and that um, I mean there's of course validity to that there's um, you know sure. I, I'm 
I'm a artist who's been working for decades and, and the built. I mean, I, that's, I, yeah. I mean, I was going to say like you have, right. Yeah, I mean, you have put in all that work, you have all that history. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that because normally the people who have, those are the people who get the most concerned when they see this sort of thing, because, you know, they're saying like this, this is a tool to, to get around that. Right. I mean, you've earned your reputation because you've been working at it for so long. Um, yeah. And well, I think it, it, it um, it really this is kind of the thing I've been like talking a lot about lately and and trying to trying to communicate with people about this this concept that like there there are certain types of craftsmanship um, that I can see being very um, very threatened by this um, be, you know if if what you do as an artist is and then this is something, you know, that people have to think about, it, you know, there's, there's art. And then I think there's also craftsmanship. And then I think those mm -hmm. two things can be, it's helpful a little bit to separate those things sometimes when you're talking about this stuff, because the one thing I've learned uh, as I've grown m more as a, as an art director and a, and a writer and, and director in which are, you know, artists in, in much more like, vague and open uh, open-ended ways um the the individual craftsmanship uh has become less important to me um that it that it might have been earlier in my career but there are these artists out there who basically what they do is craft like they they're illustrators by hand and they've been illustrating by hand in a certain style that they've been building up for years. They have, they have an incredible technical ability and, and they are the ones, um, you know, rendering all the, all the little details on and making these rich elaborate scenes. And when, when you're, when your craft and your career is that kind of technical rendering, um, this mm -hmm. is the type of thing that you see as leaping over you and, and, and in, to them, it feels like this thing is cheating or that it's it's <laughs> stealing from what they've built up by hand. Right. And that and right. then that's when you're like, OK, well, you know, how much of this is just the next evolution of automation, um, you know, right. automating processes that we used to do by hand. And and, you know, there's no there's no clear answers right now. I mean, this, this is a very new thing. There's a lot of different and and valuable opinions on it um but i'm i just tend to see it as um not really that different other than being a, a major leap than things like 3d graphics you know 3, 3d graphics mm -hmm. and cgi it, which is really funny to me now to see these like young um cgi artists being like you didn't put the time in you didn't make this by hand <laughs> it's like i mean my dude do you know what, what people said about cgi when it came out do you know what traditional right. artists said about this because you're literally saying it right now you're saying the computer's doing it for you you're not doing it by yeah. hand you didn't put all these hours in it's like that what do you think are what do you think painters and, and illustrators said right. when you could just you type in a bunch of numbers in a program and have it light the scene for you, you know, like moving, <laughs> moving splines and parameters around in a, in a 3d program, yeah. that's cheating all of the manual work. These, these artists did to, yep. to light a scene by hand and, and know how to light it without using these tools. And now uh, enough time has passed where we have accepted uh, 3d CGI uh, stuff as a form of art 
that now those guys are gatekeeping against a new form of digital right. art, which just blows my mind to, to be around through this. And, and that's, that's where one of the weirdest things uh, about this for me is like, normally you expect it to be the old people who are mad about these new yep. technologies. And to a certain extent in this, I've seen it's young artists who were, who weren't around for these previous cycles yeah. and have grown up in a world that already accepted digital art as an art form, but that was very much not the case when digital art came, you know, came up on its own. Yeah. Gosh, that takes my mind in a whole bunch of different directions, but, but just really quickly, way back uh, when, when in, in, in the nineties, when I was in college, um, I worked for a professor who was sort of one of the originators of 3d graphics as like uh he he came up as a he was a architecture professor and in the 1960s just became fascinated by computers and how like computers could eventually be useful to architects and then eventually actually like created an entire program in computer graphics um that was like separate from the architecture school separate from the computer science school just focused on like 3d graphics and like this was in the nineties and he was like trying to convince people that 3d graphics were like a useful tool. And people were like, ah, you know, it's not, not, not that big of a deal. Like that's like, you know, just this little thing you're sort of playing around with these toys. Um, and he was like, you know, he, you know, he was really visionary in lots of ways, but just like recognizing, like if this works really easily and people can build their own models, like it changes so much. And it's funny how, you know, all of these cycles sort of, you know, uh, play on each other. So, but, but let's, let's talk a little bit about like some of the concerns that I've seen and and you're right. I think a lot of it is from, from younger artists who are pointing out that like, especially in, in the digital art realm, you know, some of the stuff that these AI programs output looks somewhat similar to the kinds of things that, that they would work on. Um, like what's what's your take on that, or how should they be be looking at this, or you know what do you, what do you think when you see artists complaining in that way? Um, yeah, I think there's there's a real kind of like um, tornado of, of different uh, little uh, outrages <laughs> right now, and some are more valid than others. I think some are some are good faith concerns, especially um, especially ones that acknowledge um, that that it's you know ethics at the core of it. Um, and then mm -hmm. I think there, there are some just bad faith. There's a lot of bad faith, uh, outrage campaigns out there, which really come down <laughs> to like, they'll make a point. They're like, well, it's just sampling. It's just taking bits of other people's art. It's like, no, actually it's, it doesn't, you know, you, I know it's like, I know it's crazy because it is crazy to learn how this stuff works, but it is not actually doing that. It, it is literally right. learning generally what things look like and recreating them based on that. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but, and then you'll say, well, okay. Yeah. Then you can say, well, it's not, you know, it's not doing this and that well, but it does this. And you realize that these people are just mad that this exists. And, and, <laughs> and when you start to get into like the, the lines being drawn, okay, well then, but then you can't call it art. Okay. Well, you're not the artist if you did it. Okay. Well then you're, you, you realize that they're just, <laughs> they'll move the goalposts around in any direction. And what they're really getting at is because, because what they're trying to do is build conditions around it. They're trying to find the specific conditions right. where they can say, okay, this isn't valid. And when that's the only goal, it, then it just becomes like, there's nothing you can do to satisfy that. Right. So that's why I kind of, I wrote the other day, a thread on, 
Twitter that was just, it was basically just saying, look, everything is art. Nothing is art. It, it is, it is subjective. It, it's about, it's about the way that you perceive it. You know, craftsmanship is about how it was made, but art is about how people feel about it, how, it, how it's valued in terms of, of um, what it brings to people or, you know, and value. I don't mean like monetary value, like the value of creation, you know, like my, um, my grandma used to, you know, pick up leaves and, and press them and, and put them in, in little frames, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and give them out as, as gifts. And, uh, and she didn't make that leaf, you know, but, but, <laughs> but the moment that she, you know, the moment that she put it in glass and put a frame around it, um, th- that became her, her art, you know, that became art, right. you know, to it's, it might not make it in a gallery, but to somebody, to the, to the people who, Receive that and to her making it, that was that was art, and that's that's an example yep. of the artist as curator, which um, which I think is a helpful way to understand a lot of what's happening here. Um, but it's uh, it's a big spectrum, you know, because that I, I think you, I think a lot of this stuff is like you can think of text to image as it stands right now is kind of the fast fashion of, of art, right? Like the <laughs> the it, it it's der- a lot of it is derivative. It's harder now to get stuff that doesn't look derivative, which already is adjusting the value of this stuff, right? So, like, right. and that's the thing. It's like, people need to understand that it's not dismissive to say that to a certain extent, this stuff does settle itself out. Like, it, do, right. it does tend to work itself out, which right now already, if I if I just go on mid-journey and, you, and just type something in without any kind of, like, um, effectors of the style or anything like that, I'll get something back that doesn't hold much value to me because it looks immediately like, Oh, it's a mid-journey thing. And when I see, right. when I see um, stuff done in the, in the kind of typical mid-journey standard output style, cause mid-journey does have a particular style that it um, uses. I, I just say, Oh, it's a mid-journey thing. And, and, and it's already devalued in my mind because there's so much of it. It's so right. common. Um, and that doesn't mean that that piece of art isn't important to the person who made it. It doesn't mean someone might not like it, but to me, uh, it's less valuable in a way, if that makes sense, versus the stuff that I look at and say, well, I don't know how they did that or that or or, right. or stuff that's given a context. You know, they put a story behind it. They make a theme around it. It's that, um, you know, the frame is, is the most important part of the art kind of thing. Um, so right. so that already that stuff's moving in that direction. And the more that people get using this stuff, the more people have access to it, the more common and plain it will become and, and then it just kind of it'll fill out the world in this kind of like gray matter and then it becomes about what rises out of it what rises up and get right. guess who the people who usually make that stuff are the artists it's the same people right. you know so just the fact right. that everybody can do it now actually just kind of elevates the whole thing because you, you quickly discover that you know oh anybody can do that now but most people won't most people right. won't or, or won't do it well yeah or right. won't do it well yeah so yeah. you know so there's that's a rambling way of, of, of answering the yeah, question no, no. but <laughs> there's, I, I, I think that- i tend to ramble a lot on this stuff because there there is no there's no defined points right now and that's kind of the whole thing that people need to understand is that yeah. there's no answer to right now you know Right. No, but, but I, I think it's really interesting. And the idea of like curator as artist, I think is actually an interesting one to think about. And like, you know, it's funny you're describing that and, and describing like 
you know, you know, putting leaves, pressing leaves and putting them in frames or whatever, you know, you know, there are arguments and, and I've, you know, people have made these arguments that like, are, are photographers really artists mm-hmm. because they didn't create the scene. I mean, you know, assuming you're doing like landscape photography or something yeah. like that, that's, you know, nature, but like people certainly recognize a, a good landscape photographer has skill because they're they're a curator, right? They're figuring out how to frame it, how to, how to, you know, what lighting angle, all sorts of settings. Like how do you make that is, you know, but, but I think it's, it is very much a curator as artist thing where it's like, you're curating the scene that you're going to capture and sort of how it's framed and how it's set up and how it looks and, and even how it's developed in certain cases, you know, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And, um, and that, that's the type of thing where, you know, when people get mad about, for example, like that you can, a lot of the examples of AI um, text to image right now are you can say mm-hmm. a, a car in the style of, you know, Salvador, yeah. Salvador Dali or whatever, but you can also say it in the style of, in some cases, if you're a current working artist who is, who has enough notoriety and, and you have to, you have to have a considerable amount, like, um, you know, some people have gotten it to do some stuff that's kind of in, in my style. Um, so mm-hmm. it knows me a little bit, but not that much, you know, and, and, and I've, I've been at this for a while, you know, so, but I, but I also, I'm also not, um, you know, I also don't have one particular style. I have a lot of different styles in my sure. career. So I'm more of an art director in that sense. Whereas some of these people that they use as examples are the types of artists that this thing seems to pick up on the best, which are, um, right. illustrated illustrators who do immersive scenes um, 3d CG artists who do fantasy and sci-fi concept art type stuff. And some of these guys, you know, that are working right now, it, it'll pick up their style very well. And, and that's the, that's the example that is often used to say, look at this. They're, they're going to take our jobs. They're copying us. They're ripping us off, right. whatever. But it, in the, in the dust settles kind of sense that is the most derivative and boring way to say that you've made something original with AI. It's a, it's, it's great that it's there. It's a valuable learning tool for people who aren't, you know, super familiar with these tools or, or don't have a lot of art experience exploring how things might look through different eyes is really, really cool learning tool. And, and I I want to talk more about that later because the learning and, and um, you know, uh, kind of artistic um, growth potential of all this is great. But, you know, if, if I were to do, you know, art in the style of some other artist who's currently working through the AI and say, I made this um, mm-hmm. and, and try to like call it my art, um, which I wouldn't do, but if I did, <laughs> I, I would hope that I would be appropriately called out for that and that the art would not hold much value either monetarily or otherwise because that's what already happens you know the the, abil- right. the ability to make something that looks like someone else's art and, and try to call it your own already exists you know and and we already roundly disapprove of it you know right and uh, and the fact that it can be done faster right now is is panicking people but the the results are the same which is that bootlegging exists it's, oh it's going to it will it possibly will more from this or less who knows but um <laughs> but you know that that's out there and and we still don't 
don't value it. Um, so I, I don't think that changes. And um, and going back to your point about photography, that's one of the examples I give all the time on this um, because there is a lot of photography that I've, as a photographer, I've literally I've done tons of photography. It's been a big part of my career. I consider myself a photographer. And there's a lot of photography that I that I say, well, you just pushed a button. You know, you really, you right. really did. There, there's, I was talking to someone the other day about how there's, um, there's some photographers who are, who are wide, widely hailed and, and revered and have, and have um, incredible careers and legacies, and most of what they do is incredibly basic portraits, and they're successful because their portraits are of celebrities they're of famous <laughs> right. people and if you if you if right. you had this exact same portrait just a, a black and white por- plainly lit portrait of someone you know on a white backdrop it you know if it wasn't um if it wasn't an interesting public figure if it was just the exact same portrait of a random person it would probably never get noticed let alone be critically right. acclaimed so but no one argues that that photographer is an artist and no one has any problem giving them credit but when you really, if you really want to go down the road that people are going with this stuff, it's like, okay, how much did that photographer actually contribute to the value of that piece of art? <laughs> and how much, how much then, you know, by that logic, do you have to say that the subject of the photo of the photograph is a contributor to the art? And no, no one really does that because it's, it's just like, it gets pointless. It's just, you're trying to find some kind of like qualifier in there and that's not really what art's about. So you, you have to think about all these other types of art forms that, that went through this process of us gradually coming to understand them as art. And photography right. photography is a really easy example because the same painters who are mad today were mad when the camera was invented because they right. said, now you can just push a button and do and take a portrait of someone. Portraiture is, right. is most of what working artists did back then because there was no other way to capture a person. You know, you, you couldn't take a photo of people. So you hired a painter to paint you. And they said, if anyone could just push a button and take a portrait, we're out of work and you're right. cheating. We've been learning how to do this our whole <laughs> lives. This is our livelihood, you know? So, I mean, it, we're, we're right back at square one with that stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's it's funny that the, the echoes in, in other areas as well. Like, um, you know, I've used this example a bunch, but like the, the copyright uh, in 1909, the U.S. rewrote its copyright laws. We had the, the Copyright Act of 1909, which actually took almost a decade to get to that point. But the reason, the key reason why they felt they needed to rewrite the Copyright Act was because, you know, in the early 1900s, I think, was the invention of the player piano. Mm-hmm where you could, you know, put a roll of paper in and it would play songs for you. And the sheet music producers flipped out because they were just like, wait a second. Like music in those days was, was a sheet music business. People would, would buy the sheet music so they could play it on their piano. And they're just like, if this piano can play automatically and people could just buy this roll of paper and it'll play the song for you. Like we're destroyed. No one will ever buy sheet music again. No one will ever, you know, need to play a piano again. Mm -hmm. So we have to change the copyright laws. So like the entire 1909 act was like this, this moral panic Mm -hmm. about the player piano. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and the same, same sort of thing. And the same thing happened with recorded music, you know, when, when, um, the phonograph came out. You when you could buy a record yep. and take it home of recorded music. 
musicians. It was actually, it was the musicians who freaked out because the way that yep. they made money was by performing their music live. And they thought, well, if anyone can just listen to my music at home, how, who's going to come see me perform <laughs> live? How am I going to make money? You know? Um, so right. it's, I mean, there's so many of these, um, you know, I, I mean, you want to, I mean, you want to dig right into the world of the artists who are upset today. Um, go, you know, go ask traditional animators how they felt when right. when computer animation came around yeah. and said a bunch of tech people who, who don't know anything about the expression <laughs> of drawing movement are trying to yeah. are trying to cheat it with computers and it looks ugly and it doesn't move because they didn't learn all this ex, all this expressionistic movement they didn't study it um they were they were furious and and it, and then that 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 kind of leads to the the uncomfortable truths around some of this stuff which is that when these shifts happen, everyone wants to say they're trying to take our jobs. Historically, that's never been the case, but the jobs do shift. You know, you you, yeah. you will not get as much work as a hand-drawn frame-by-frame 2D animator uh, after the 90s. You know, you just, it right. changed, you know. On the other hand, there are thousands and thousands more jobs doing animation overall now because there's so much more right. of it thanks to computers and that that kind of thing is what we're probably looking at here but you know the reason i i tell artists not to panic and and i i get it that like i'm coming from a place as an art director where first of all as an art director this stuff makes a lot more sense to me artist is curator that kind of thing um second yeah. my career is not tied to my ability to technically render one manual style right and um, one of one of the things, one of my rules for using AI art is like, and and this is all just this is all personal to me. Everyone's everyone's going to land differently on this, but when I when I make a scene in um, AI, I have to find styles that feel like something that I could have maybe made, or 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 at least kind of touch on areas of of art that I've been involved in. So. I never do stuff that looks like 3D CG computer graphics. As soon as I see that, I say, this is just simply not something that I made. I can't, it looks like something distinctly that someone else made, an artist made it, you know? Hmm. To me, that's how it feels. And so I, I never feel comfortable making that kind of stuff and, and, and feeling authorship of it um, because I can see a human that is not me kind of in, in, the, right. in the style of it, right? Um, so I understand that like when, when I see this stuff and I see, I can see a concept artist in, in the style of it. And I think, well, this, this feels like something a concept artist would do. It's not my, my style. And that feels weird to me. And I can see how those types of artists, like concept artists who, who do this particular thing, uh, technically uh, all the time, um, are, are concerned about this when it can, when it can do concept art type stuff so well, but you got to think about like, most likely where this is going to end up is AI will be a tool for concept artists. A right. And, um, you know, you think like, oh, well, they can just do this now. They'll just take our jobs, but probably they're going to hire more artists. You know, a lot of these, a mm -hmm. lot of these guys, um, um, these concept artists work for game studios. That's where a ton of this work is right now. Right. But right. which let me tell you about what they thought about <laughs> video games as art. Uh, but, but video, video games are a perfect example because the technology and automation has allowed these games to grow and these game studios to grow. Um, there was one person 
at most doing the art on video games in the 80s, you know, just right. making the sprites. And now there's hundreds <laughs> of artists involved in games. So yeah. so when, when you bring these AI tools in, you're going to have game studios who want to build their own proprietary AI data sets. And they want, yeah. they want their own artists building up all the materials that their AI learns from so that they can hire more artists to use their proprietary AI tools to make games that are bigger than ever before. And, and that's where it's like, you have to have a little imagination and you have to look not at right now, but at a little bit down the road of where this stuff lands. And, and I, I truly believe that it will land in a place that's better for art overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of looking at it and, and thinking through it and sort of, you know, and, and for the artists sort of figuring out also kind of like where, where there are spaces where they fit into that world, mm -hmm. right? So what are the opportunities for them? And it might not be the same as what you were doing today, but there are, you know, some of those things are, are difficult depending on your, your background or experiences, but there are certainly ways that lots of people can transition into these, these jobs. And in some ways they could be more interesting and, and more fun. Um, you know, building entire worlds as opposed to a single image or things like that. You know, there's a lot of, Lot of and, interesting ideas. And, there, and there's there's going to be casualties. It's a hard it's a hard conversation to have because yeah. there they are will be casualties, um, and that's why my you know I, I can't change the inevitability of this stuff, and and neither can right. neither can any of you. So that's why my first my first <laughs> advice, like the very first thing I ever that I ever said about this after I first tried AR was learn it now, learn it right now, right? I figure out right. how you're going to adapt to it, and, and get ahead of it because. Um, the cat, the people who are the casualties of this stuff are, I, and, and I hate to say this, but I, many, many times as someone who was a, a photographer who didn't come up through traditional photography methods after the digital camera revolution, which is a whole nother thing. Um, yeah. many, many times I'd go into the camera shop and there'd be these, like these old, older guys there, these, <laughs> like, these, like, in, this is like in the early two thousands, like. 55 year old guys in there with like gray ponytails and, and, and they just, they want to talk about like specs of, of lenses and stuff like that. And they're all a little bit bitter because they're all, they're all <laughs> photographers who, who, um, who had built up this big collection of very expensive gear and they had a dark room right. and they had all this stuff and, uh -huh. and they were professional photographers and now they're working at camera stores because no one wants to pay them the same rates that they used to because everyone's got a digital camera. Right. And yep. what they, and, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for those guys who are mad about that because what they did is say, no, this is the way to do it. You have to develop it yourself right. in a dark room. And instead of saying, okay, well, it's moving in this direction. Now, if I want to make money doing this, I better learn the new ways and, and be more flexible and faster and more adaptive and they didn't do that and they just complained about it the whole time and it, it didn't go in their favor. And now they say that like, well, anyone thinks they could be a photographer now and guess what? Anyone can. And that's a good thing. I'm sorry, but it, right. I'm sorry, but it is, there's more photography now than ever before, <laughs> but yes, it is harder to charge $10,000, you know, for a photo shoot. But at the end of the day, there were tons of people out there who were capable of taking a good photo. They just didn't have thousands of dollars of equipment in, you know, in, right. in the eighties and nineties. And, and that was the gatekeeping there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating how often this sort of echoes, right. And, and repeats and we're, we're seeing, we're seeing the same thing over and over again. 
Um, you know, w- one of the things that you mentioned, right, was like you, you brought up, you know, with some of these programs, they often seem to work better if you do say like in the style of this particular artist or, or, or whatnot. Um, and, and definitely that's been one of the big concerns I think that I've seen is mm-hmm. that people are saying like, oh, well, you know, there it's clearly, you know, ripping off that artist or, 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 you know, pulling from their style and therefore, you know, it's unfair to that artist. Um, and do you have like more specific thoughts on in response to that argument? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, this is where, this is where, um, a lot of artists, um, lack of understanding of how copyright works, um, can muddle this (laughs) discussion because they're like, this is, this is copyright infringement and, and, right. and it's not. First of all, once again, these systems are not taking actual pieces of your art and repurposing them. They're not, take, they're right. not taking a single pixel of it. They're only looking at it. Um, but beyond that, you can't copyright a style. You can't copyright right. something that kind of looks like something else. And, and my God, it, the worst direction that this could, <laughs> the worst direction that this could go is some, somebody with the right connections gets a congressman riled up about this <laughs> and we end up copywriting styles. And then, and yeah. you want to kill art, that'll kill art because everything <laughs> looks like something else. Every single thing, right. if you, and, and you never knew that as much be- before the internet, but now when you put a piece, right. when you put an image out there to such a vast global audience, someone out there is going to be like, "Oh, that looks like that thing—a thing that you right. would have never known about before." You know, so that is a bad way to look at this. But I do think, on an ethical level, um, if there are working artists who are who, you know, have their names in these systems and have concerns about it, I don't think it's a bad thing. In fact, I think it would be helpful moving this forward if some of these. Um, AI programs um, in these companies would be willing to let artists ask to be removed from them. You Mm. know, so if a a working artist says, can you remove my name from this? Um, First of all, I think it's, it's a good faith gesture. I don't think it's going to hurt the, the technology at all to remove some current artists from it. There's, there's enough other information out there. Um, I think it'll make some of these artists feel better. Um, And, but it also, to me, it's it's one of those things that I think will probably just, uh, I, I hate to say it, but for a lot of people, I think it will probably just result in another moving of the goalposts because I, I've already <laughs> seen artists like like online yelling at, at like, um, like Midjourney. I saw some artists yelling at Midjourney. I searched and right. over, over like 500 queries have been made using my name. And then they replied back and they were like, okay, well, just so you know, people try and like here's what it, here's what it looks like with this done in your style, and here's what it looks like done by artist. And it's exactly the same because we don't actually have any real data set for your style. It's right. not people are asking for it, but it's not actually doing anything. You know, right. you know. So so that so I think I think some people who are determined to be mad about this, even if they were able to remove their names from this thing, they would discover that the the tech and its ability to render incredible imagery would keep rolling right along and they would still yeah. feel like it's a threat to them. So then the goalposts would, would somehow move, you know, to another thing. But I, I do think, you know, we, we might as well, we might as well try to um, try to be as, as understanding as possible as this stuff goes out. And, sure. and, you know, it, some of the concerns are like, you know, you're, you're selling a product that can use my name in it. Um, 
I don't know. That's a that's a blurry line. It's it's not something that concerns me. Like ju- just today, I was trying to get it to do my style, you know, because it's interesting <laughs> to me. But uh, you know, if 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 it makes if it makes people feel better, the, these all these things have terms that you can't search for, right? That to try and block right. the content. So just let artists add their name to that if they want to. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's a part of me that just thinks too. It's like, look, if people are are doing searches in your name as an artist, like that should be a vote of confidence as you as an artist. Right? I, I mean, that shows that you have a following, that people are interested in your style and they recognize what your style I, is. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm mad that the thing can't do my style very well. I, I want to <laughs> see how it looks. Like, I, I, I think it'd be an honor to, to see that like a computer's understanding of, of the the global consciousness yeah. of art includes me that I'm a part of that. Right. You know, that's, that's really cool. But, uh, you know, to, to, to each his own, I guess on that. Yeah. What do you, do you have any thoughts on like now, like, because part, part of what people are discovering is that like, as I think you've mentioned earlier in, in this discussion, um, like actually generating good art out of this is, is a challenge. Um, and there, there are even like now marketplaces. I don't fully understand this at all, but like marketplaces for prompts yeah, yeah. Like to, to create better prompts. And, and to me, that's, that's kind of a signal of what you're talking about that. It's like, you know, you have to have some sort of artistic eye or, or sort of that curator's mind to be able to even figure out how to create a good prompt. I don't quite understand of the market for prompts, like how that makes sense or how that's a sustainable market in any way. But like, it is interesting to me how quickly that's developed and how people are, are already sort of recognizing that just because I have this tool that will generate anything I want, doesn't mean I can get it to generate something useful. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that and sort of like how, like the focus on like better and better prompt writing has suddenly become a, become a whole market, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to me because um, on, on both ends, on, on the people, on the end of people who are enraged about this stuff, and on the end of people who are trying to to capitalize off it or, or claim uh-huh. that they're there, I'm an AI artist and and I'm a prompt right. artist, and I'm and the people trying to sell prompts and stuff. On both ends of it, it's hilarious to me because this stuff is moving so fast. <laughs> that, yeah. that what AI art is, what it looks like, how it works is the most literally right now, as in today, right <laughs> now thing. I have like, you know, talking about artists as, as curator and prompts and stuff like that. I have um, been, you know, working on prompts that kind of, you know, for me, the most important thing is pulling something of myself uh, you know, my ideas and my brain into it and an aesthetic that feels open enough that it, it's definitely not another artist. Um, so I've been working on that for, for quite a, quite a while. And when I say quite a while, I mean like four months or something, because that's right. <laughs> how long this has really been a thing. And, and, you know, my, my art director nature is like, I, this, this stuff can generate so much cool looking shit so quickly that I end up with folders and folders of stuff and, and, and it all feels like it's got to be a collection of some sort. Okay. So I put it in buckets and say, this is a cool collection of this and I'm going to do something right. with this. I want to go in and edit these and put them together. And by the time I've even kind of finished thinking about that, the tech has moved up ahead a little bit 
and all of a sudden yeah. it can do better looking stuff and my prompts aren't don't work as well as they did before and i have to right. take my prompts and that leads to getting a whole new batch of really cool stuff to say holy shit this stuff's way cooler <laughs> okay let me put this in a folder i gotta put this together i'm gonna make a collection out of this i'm gonna do something with this and then oh my god wait they just released a new version Oh, this one does this stuff better. <laughs> and all of my prompts from before are broken. Like all the stuff that I was, right. <laughs> all the, my specific prompts that I was getting some of my best stuff out of, they just, like Midjourney just released a new uh, test for their, their new beta, like where the software's going. It shattered all my prompts. None of them work the same right. way at all. <laughs> and now when I look back on some of the, some of the first stuff that I have still sitting in a folder, waiting to be, waiting for me to do something with it. It's like, uh, that stuff looks primitive now. That looks like it was made with 10-year-old tech. It was made three months ago, you know? Right. So, so uh, I mean, the, the, the tendency people have to want to immediately categorize and label and put this stuff in a definable bucket and a definable space, put parameters around it, try and understand it, is, um, is a lot of wasted hot air right now. Um, uh, I think right now we should be along for the ride and and having these right. and having these bigger broader philosophical art and ethical questions but but certainly not around how it works right this moment because pr right. prompting will be the kind of lowest form of this stuff very soon um, it will be the equivalent of an instagram filter um, writing right <laughs> writing a prompt because because where this stuff is going is going to be you know, you're going to have um, digital art tools that are AI trained. You, you, you're going to be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're an illustrator, you'll be able to, to kind of build up your own little AI assistants who have all of this knowledge from, from this vast wealth of artistry, but also knowledge of how you work and your style and your preferences. Right. And you can tune those things. So imagine you attach an AI assistant to your paintbrush um, according to a certain mood. And as you fill in the background, the trees in the background, you're not painting each tree one by one. It's filling in trees as you draw in your own style, tweaked according to a certain mood. And then as you draw right. those, you can click on different parameters to change them as they're happening. Say, no, actually, I want them to be angrier. I want them to be this. Or, hey, AI, I want new ideas for how these trees might look in this scene. And this is right. very, very quickly going to become a craft, a very complex, intricate, manual craft, just like 3D CGI art is. You're going to be able to use these tools to very, very specifically render exact scenes that you want instead of playing this roulette wheel of like, right. of like generating a thousand prompt um, regenerations and, and hoping that it gets to what you want, um, which is why right now I've just been surfing the like the AICs and letting the kind of wonder of it guide what projects I make instead of trying to get specific results out of it because we're at the infancy of this thing, you know, it, it's yeah. going to change. Yeah, absolutely. So, so one, one final question to sort of wrap this up. I could keep going. I know. I, I know. I feel like I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but one final thing that I wanted to go back to, cause you mentioned it earlier and said that we could talk about it later and, and, it's been sticking with me um, through the conversations. You sort of talked about like kind of the the sort of educational aspect of it. Um, and so I want to, to dive in there and sort of, I have an idea in my head of, of what you might mean by that, but I'm not sure if I, if I know. So what did you mean by, by kind of the educational aspect of it as a tool? Um, 
I think there's there's a few prongs of that. I mean, one of them is is the simple acknowledgement. You know, when we talk about gatekeeping in its many forms, is there are people. You know, when 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 you snidely say, "Well, I've spent thousands of hours learning how to paint, and I do this as a as a skill with my hands," there's a lot of people whose hands don't work in that way. Yeah. There's a lot of people uh-huh. with with disabilities or conditions or who don't have hands. Um, Right. Who, who might have every bit uh, the creative potential uh, as an artist that you do, but they do not have the physical ability to sit there and, and carefully make these brush strokes. Um, but that doesn't mean that what's in their what's in their mind doesn't have value and, and shouldn't, you know, that this is what technology is for, you know, it, it, in its best, you know, in the most utopian sense, it's about unlocking these types of things and, and assisting people. Right. So, right. so on one hand, you, you have, you have people who, and, and this is where I use the photography comparison a lot, that was a monetary barrier where you had kids who, who really wanted to take photos and had a vision and had a great way of looking at the world and could never afford, um, you know, fancy lenses in a darkroom and stuff. But now that, now that anyone can take photos on their phone that are more or less professional quality, but, by, you know, compared to how, how things used to be, you're finding that there's a lot of people who discover early, early on something I wish I had discovered, I'd had the ability to discover when I was a kid that they love photography and they can take great photos. Right. You also have the vast majority of people, if you hand them your phone and say, can you take a picture of us at, at the theme park or something? And they can't do it for shit, you know? So, you know, there's this, so it's amazing how many tools you can have and still not be able to take a good photo. And that's, that's why, even though anyone can do it, people still pay money for other people to take photos, you, you know? Yeah. So, so to that extent, like, you, you've got this technology that can now allow people who have never had the ability to technically render the things that are in their mind they're going to have tools right. that allow them to to take the imagery out of their minds and and visualize it for the first time. I think that can help in art therapy tremendously. Um, the mm-hmm. ability for people to to visually express what what's inside uh, that they didn't have the tools to before. I think there are also you know we have to talk about systemic um, barriers here. Like there are people who might have loved to paint when they were a kid and might have been really good at it and then life came around and now they work three jobs and they've got three kids and they don't have the time for this stuff um i've found i've already found as an artist implementing ai into projects um that i can do stuff that i would have loved to do on a project but it would have taken me hundreds of hours to do it now i can do it so much faster and it's the same vision Mm -hmm. it's just compressing the time and and I I think it's wonderful that we can accept this kind of stuff as art when you think about people who wish they could sit down with a canvas and paint all day and you know for right. them it didn't work out that this that this became their job that they got to be paid to, to spend hundreds of hours on it but they deserve to be able to express themselves too and and as as a certain to a certain degree I think you have to apologize a little bit for for how brutal. Our, our, our system and our society is against creativity, against the time to be right. creative and be artists. Um, and and then on top of that, you you have these uh, this new ability to bring into, I was actually just talking to someone from the school board of our state the other day about talking to 
um, the IT people there about how to bring this type of technology into schools. Because when you have kids, you know, the young kids, one of their favorite things to do is to tell you an idea they have and have an older person right. draw it for them, right? Well, what, yep. what happens when, uh, when a little kid is able to, you know, use their fingers to draw a house and the AI fills it in as a house yeah. and then they can change the style. They can say, I want it to look like this. I want it to look like this. It, now you've got um, people using their imaginations in a much bigger ways early on and taking more, more control of it for themselves. Um, and then you have to think, I mean, beyond that, you can tell I've been thinking about this a lot <laughs> beyond that. I'm like thinking about yeah. my own kid who's a baby right now when, when they're growing up, it's like, if they're expressing interest in visual creativity, am I going to teach them how to shade a drawing with a, with a colored pencil? Or yeah. am I going to teach them how to bring in all these other materials from the digital ether and build a scene in this way? And, and, yeah. and it's like, you know, if, if you go to, if you go to learn how to make, um, how to design furniture now, if you want to do that, do you learn how, do you spend years learning how to whittle wood or, 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 or do you learn, or do you learn 3d design programs, you know? Right. And so there, there, there might be a, a situation here where actually painting stroke by stroke, it be, kind of becomes an artisan craft that has value on its own, right. but is not how we, is not the starting point for how we, visualize art anymore and and there's a ton of early education opportunities there yeah no that's that's fascinating and and like yeah i that 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 opens up a whole bunch of ideas in, in my mind but i did say that was my last <laughs> <laughs> and i know that we could talk about this more well, I, I, how, how about this we can we can do a follow-up in like four days when all this conversation is because <laughs> it's moving so fast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it, it is fascinating how quickly this has changed. And I think you're right. I think, well, maybe not four days, but, but certainly by next year, I mean, it's going to be a totally different world. For, for sure. And, uh, for sure. It's, it, this is fascinating, but, but thank you so much for, for taking the time. I, this was really, really interesting to me. I'm sure it was fascinating to our listeners as well. And uh, it's given me a lot to think about certainly. So uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank it's been fun. Cool. And thanks, everyone, for listening as well. And uh, we'll be back next week. Someone will get. Huh. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap. Huh. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. Huh. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap. Huh. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap.